Hey, church, welcome to an online worship service. Let's spend some time putting the honor and glory on Jesus, on God the Father, on the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. The battle does not belong to us. The battle belongs to him. Let's sing a couple songs about that right now. Here we go. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Sing it out, church. Here we go. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. The battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. Shadows, you in every battle. Nothing can 
you worship team for leading us uh, here today and so uh, great to be with all of you uh, even though it is online I just wanted to go through a few things happening in our church first thing is the open invitation we have this uh, prayer hotline if you will set up actually a text line uh, that if you want to text to 97,000 anytime uh, during the week something that's going on something we can be lifting up for you uh, and prayer we'd be thrilled and consider that a huge privilege to be able to pray for you and so feel the freedom to take advantage of that well, a couple events on the near horizon. First is uh, we have been just uh, blowing up as a church as far as babies in the last uh, year. And so we thought it'd be appropriate to have baby dedication uh, coming up. And so on Sunday, May 23rd, actually in both services, we have that available. And so if you're interested in that, feel the freedom to reach out to the church office during the week. And we'd love to get you scheduled to be a part of that memorable service. Well, the following day, so not the Sunday, but Monday, May 24th, is our next Women's Courtyard Gathering. And these have really become a thing in the past uh, year as just the perfect way uh, to connect uh, with the other ladies in the church. And really, I was just outside this evening and just enjoying the, the cooler evening. This is the perfect time of the year to get together, uh, especially outdoors. And so I encourage you, if you haven't been to one of those, or if you have in the past, to make sure uh, to join us for that ladies. And then also, I know we've talked about it quite a bit, but it's such a huge deal for our church, is on uh, June 21st through the 25th is Camp ABF. And that's one of the highlights of the year for our students. And so uh, if you haven't already gotten your kids signed up, man, we encourage you to do that. And really, it's more than just getting your kids signed up. We ask, we're asking that you think through who you would like to invite from your network of friends, your relationships, your your neighbors, or whoever it might be, think through who that might be. And then finally, if you're not already signed up to serve, man, what a memorable, powerful week and a way to really impact life. So we encourage uh, that if possible, if you have that week free. Well, as I've mentioned before, just as we're uh, kind of coming on the other side and seeing a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel of COVID, I still want to ask you, our online audience, to really prayerfully consider what your re-entry plan looks like. We're trying as best as we can on this campus to create an environment where it's easy to engage, uh, to be uh, distanced. We have different uh, viewing formats. And so we really encourage you to prayerfully consider. We miss you here and would love to see you back uh, soon. Another reminder, just as I uh, wrap up with uh, announcements, is just for those of you that support the continued ministries here at the church, just a reminder how that best happens. It's either uh, mailing in a check or giving online on our website or through our church app. Well, I think we covered it all. Let me just, before Josh comes up, let me just pray for him in our continued worship here today. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this chance to be together and to gather around your word, to be able to elevate you even through song so appropriately. We now ask that you'd be present and moving in the teaching of your word, uh, that you would be elevated through even that action, and that for us as listeners, that we would not just be hearers, but doers of the word, that you would really compel, convict, encourage all the things that you do when we open it up. We invite that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, here is Mr. Josh Andy Oho. Well, hello, church. It is great to see you for another online service. Hey, before we get into stuff, I just wanted to mention a couple of people up here. Really, I'm going to mention everybody up here. But I know you're wondering, where is baby Holly? She is actually sitting out in the third row with my sister so that Lynn's could be up here and actually focus a little bit on me. I don't think she's going to focus very much on me still because she's going to be looking at the third row. So that's where she's looking. Just assume that. Matt, thanks for hanging out while you're in town. I appreciate it. Uh, and my parents are up here again. Where are your pins? Oh, I was going to talk about the pins. My sister created these pins of me when I was a little kid, and they were wearing the pins, and now they're gone. So, all right, they don't love me. Fine. Uh, so, since you are online people, I have a feeling you've probably already seen this, but I wanted to start our time together today with showing you a little video that I've seen pop up on the internet over the last couple of weeks. It's pretty good. And uh, it's turned into a Christian meme, and I thought it was just the perfect way to start off our time together. So check out this video. As you can see, there's this kind young gentleman who's even using some sort of strap, <laughs> some sort of tool to pull this animal. Oh, it's a sheep out of this giant crack in the ground. He's free. Yes, go. Oh, man. <laughs> how amazing. How amazing is that? So stinking good, right? Hilarious. You never see it coming. Uh, so it was a Christian meme and a couple of captions that I saw went, al went along with that. One of them was, me after Jesus gets me out of a bind. I thought that was good. And the second one was, when Jesus left the 99 to rescue the one, and the one was me, right? How good. It's so, so perfect, right? Because it's so, so true. Plenty of times through scripture, Humans, we are referred to as sheep. The Old Testament, the New Testament, we're referred to as sheep. We, for whatever reason, we just keep going back to the crack. That's a terrible line. Don't quote Pastor Josh on that. Uh, but we're so desperately in need of a shepherd. We're so desperately in need of a shepherd. Otherwise, we would remain in that crack for forever. Um, fortunately, we have Jesus. Jesus called himself the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. If you're interested, we just went through a series in the book of John, and Pastor John, back in December of 2020, just touched on the Good Shepherd passage. Go ahead and check that out if you're interested. It's a good time. So while we can't fill the role of Jesus, and we don't try to or intend to, um, the Lord has ordained and made it so that there is a shepherding role involved amongst each other. Um, and contrary to popular belief, uh, the word pastor does not mean preacher, and it doesn't mean paid, paid by the church. Uh, actually, it's synonymous with the word shepherd, pastor, shepherd. The role of a pastor or a shepherd is to protect, care for, and lead, for, lead their flock. And that's regardless of what size the flock is, if it's one, a hundred, a thousand, that's the role. So today, what we're going to do in our time together is we are going to take a look at three qualities 
of the Apostle Paul and his shepherd's heart that's incredibly applicable for us today. So there's kind of two different sides to my message as we dive into it. The first one is my hope is that you kind of have the eyes of a sheep coming in and hopefully gaining a heart for maybe your pastors, elders here at the church, how we intend to lead and how we intend to shepherd. Uh, obviously we're humans and we're trying to just like work through this and um, live out God's best for us as well. There's definitely some really cool things to take from the sheep side of things, um, which I take from that as well. And then on the other side, uh, I would argue that these, these qualities that we're gonna talk about are transferable, right? So uh, not just for pastors and elders, but also for many others. Uh, if you are a parent, especially for you, you would fall into the shepherd category. And I would say anybody else that's in a discipleship role these are great characteristics and qualities that are applicable for you as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Scott started off his, his sermon asking a couple of questions. He asked, are you a disciple of Jesus? And if you are, then who are you discipling? Because he made the point, and it's a pretty, pretty firm point, that if you are a follower of Jesus, it is a fundamental expectation that you're discipling other people, that you're sharing and bringing others to a relationship with Jesus, and then you're helping them grow in that relationship with Jesus. So my hope is that most of you also, along with hearing from a sheep's point of view, one that is being shepherded, also would get a lot out of the shepherd's point of view. So let me pray for us, and we're going to dive in to today. Let's pray. Uh, dear Father, um, Lord, thank you so much for a chance to be in your word. Lord, thank you for, again, this medium of video to be able to go out and uh, just talk about your word uh, online. Lord, I pray that you'd use this message. I pray that you'd use our time in your word um, to just glorify you. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that you would move. Lord, I pray that you'd get me out of the way, that you'd say whatever you want to say, uh, that you'd make it come out how you want it to come out. Lord, help me not to mess it up too, mad, too bad. And uh, we just trust you. We're excited uh, to see what you're going to do in us today. We love you so much and pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, I, uh, I thought about preaching this week just from the video. I figured, you know what? The video is hilarious. It's relevant. Let's just dive into this video. But then I remembered that God's word is eternal. It's living and active, and it is very authoritative. So I'm just going to stick with our series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Is that okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, that's where we're going to be diving in today. Go ahead and turn there on whatever device or flip there in your Bibles. Love to meet you there. So as you're getting to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I just wanted to remind you that this book, 1 Thessalonians, is a letter. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church that he started in a city called Thessalonica. And this city that he visited, he visited on his second missionary journey. He was there for a while, but eventually they accused him of treason because of all the things that he was saying and what was going on there and the amount of people that were coming to a relationship with Jesus. And, they, and basically he was chased out of town. So as I mentioned, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at Paul's shepherd heart for the church in Thessalonica. And the first thing that we're going to see is that a shepherd prepares the sheep for persecution starting in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. 
And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So Paul starts here in chapter three with the word therefore. Really, it's just an arbitrary chapter break between chapters two and chapter three. So ideally, we should just look back, see what he was just talking about. And here at the end of chapter two, he was just talking about how he wanted to come and visit the church in person, but he couldn't. Partially because of some spiritual warfare stuff, go ahead and look back at the end of chapter two. You'll see kind of what was going on there. But basically, during Paul's time away from the church, he knew that they had been dealing with persecution, but he had no idea how it was going, wasn't sure how anything was going. And he came to this point, as he says here in our text in chapter three, came to the point where he just couldn't take it anymore. It's like when you haven't checked on your newborn in like two, maybe three minutes, and you just can't take it anymore, and you have to check on them and make sure they're still breathing, right? Like, it's just like that. I apologize in advance. I've got baby on the brain, so a lot of stuff coming from babies get excited or just hate me now. Either way. So Paul couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't take it. He didn't know what was going on with the church, so he sends Timothy. He wants them to see how they're doing and wants to give them support. But praise the Lord, there's a positive report. If you look ahead to verse six, you'll see it's a positive report. The persecution that they've been experiencing has not opened the door for the people to be enticed away, tempted away, and lured away from their newfound faith in Jesus. Amazing, great job, Thessalonians. You guys can clap for the Thessalonian church. They did great, thank you. They, so, while certainly there is reason to celebrate the church in, Thess in Thessalonica, uh, which Paul does here in the next few verses, I would say that it also speaks volumes to the way in which they were shepherded by Paul. Look there at verse four. Verse four says this, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass. Paul had prepared them for this affliction, for this persecution, so that when it came, they were ready and they were able to stand strong. I think it's super important to note that Paul prepared them in a way to a, where it was a when this happens, not an if, but a when the persecution comes. He goes on to say in verse three, he says that we're destined for it. We're destined for persecution as followers of Jesus. See, the job of a shepherd is to clearly communicate that there's a cost to following Jesus, and regardless of how high that cost is, he's worth it. It's the job of a, of a shepherd to communicate that there is a re very real cost of following Jesus, and it's worth paying regardless of how high. As one of your pastors here at the church, someone that is responsible for, for shepherding, man, my hope is that I am communicating those truths. And my hope is for those of you that find yourselves in a shepherding role, that you're also communicating that very, very important truth. Um, years ago, 
I was uh, leading a Bible study with a group of students, and sorry to kind of turn a, po- a corner and, and take it a little serious, but I- I'm going to. And we, this conversation came up about these mass shootings. So at the time, there was a, a number of shootings that were happening in schools, and it seemed like kind of one of the, the threads that was a similarity was a lot of the shootings were targeting Christians. And I remember one of the students telling me what his mom had told him, what his mom had told him to do if he had ever found himself in one of those situations. And basically his mom said, hey, if you ever find yourself in a situation where there's a shooter that comes on campus and is executing Christians and asks you if you're a Christian, just say that you're not. Just deny that you're a Christian. Just say that you're not. Get through it. And as a parent, I totally understand where her heart is coming from, right? A heart of love. And this is, a, this is a, Christian, a Christian family that I'm talking about. A heart of love that loves her son, wants to see him safe and healthy and live a long life. Um, just doing kind of what's necessary in the situation to get by. Uh, however, I would contend that what she's communicating um, is actually unhealthy and unbiblical. Um, what she's communicating is, number one, that there are just some things in this life that are more important than Jesus. And for instance, in this situation, it would be his life is just more important than Jesus. And the second thing is, depending on the situation, right, you can temporarily, you can temporarily pretend that you're not a Christian, temporarily have nothing to do with him so that you can avoid a, a situation or a consequence that you don't like. And, and here's the problem with that, is where do you draw the line? So if you come across a situation where it's unbeneficial to be a Christian, is it okay to just temporarily say, oh, I'm, not a, I'm not a Christian, I don't follow Jesus, Jesus doesn't have any rule or reign in my life, don't really care about him? Is that line death? Well, what about if it's just physical harm? What if you're going to be harmed? Is it okay to say that you don't love and follow Jesus? What about if it's emotional harm? What if it just makes you uncomfortable? I think the question to ask is, well, where is that line if you're going to draw a line? See, the thing is that Jesus himself said that our baseline, kind of our entry level as Christians, like getting your foot in the door of following Jesus is being willing to lay our lives down for him. He actually gives the analogy, the illustration of picking up a torture device every single day, picking up a cross and following him, being willing to lay down our lives to follow him. The role of a shepherd is not to protect sheep from persecution. The role of a shepherd is to prepare them for it, regardless of how severe the persecution is. So that when it comes, right, because we know that it is going to come eventually, persecution in some way, shape, or form is going to come in the life of a Christian. So that when it comes, we're set up for success, And by success, I mean success in the eyes of Jesus. Success not in earthly eyes, how long do I live on this earth, how healthy am I, et cetera, et cetera, but how successful in the eyes of Jesus. I think about the life of Peter. Peter wasn't considered a success because he lived during that uh, period of time when he had to deny Jesus three times. That wasn't success. Just getting through those couple of hours unscathed, that wasn't success. Success for Peter was boldly proclaiming Jesus regardless of the consequences that it brought him. And the same is absolutely true for us today. And therefore, shepherds must prepare those they're shepherding for persecution. 
Okay, moving on from martyrdom. Um, <laughs> let's get to the second part. The second thing that we see from Paul's shepherd heart is that a shepherd is deeply moved by the spiritual health of the sheep, starting in verse six. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For, we now, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So starting there in verse six, as I mentioned earlier, Timothy had sent a positive report back to Paul. Not only were the Thessalonians following the Lord faithfully, uh, but also they have these positive memories and these positive thoughts about Paul, which is pretty cool because what's going on in the city is everybody is slandering and bashing Paul. So the fact that they have this positive thoughts and memories about Paul is pretty sweet. Then in verse seven, uh, go back there. He says this, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted. In all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. In verse eight, he says, now we live. Now we live knowing that you're following the Lord. In verse nine, he speaks up the emotions of overwhelming thankfulness and joy. I think it's so important for those who are sheep, for those who are being shepherded to understand how deeply their spiritual health impacts those who are shepherding them. So Paul's life was, was tough, right? And that's a, that's a complete understatement. He dealt with imprisonments, beating, uh, starvation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. At this present time, when he's writing this letter, when he's actually putting pen to paper to this letter to the Thessalonians, Paul is having a rough go in the city of Corinth, a really rough go. He is to the point where this opposition from the Jews has gotten so, so bad for him that he's to the point of just like saying, fine, whatever, I'm not preaching to the Jews anymore, I'm just going to the Gentiles. Like this has hit a climax of this tension between him and the Jews. He's going through a rough time. And in the midst of his circumstances in the midst of dealing with all that he's dealing with there. It's the faithfulness of the Thessalonian church that comforts him, that serves as a relief, knowing that they're following the Lord. It gives him deep, deep joy. It's like, I was thinking about it. It's like when life is absolutely miserable, absolutely miserable, all you can do is scream. Like that's all you want to do is just scream, cry because everything is so horrible. It feels like the world is just caving in around you. And then your mom puts a pacifier in your mouth and instantly everything is okay. Life is good. I told you baby brain. I apologize. Everything is so good immediately. Um, because everything in life can be going real bad. And then when that one thing happens, even though your circumstances hasn't changed, it's funny how that changes things around for you. For Paul and for shepherds, this one thing, that one thing is, man, hearing a positive report, hearing about somebody that you've been shepherding, following after the Lord, crushing it in their relationship with the Lord, um, 
thriving in their faith, it can be all the difference. Can be all the difference. On the contrary, so in contrast, the Corinthian church, okay, had a completely different effect on Paul, okay? Uh, In Corinth, which is where, ironically, Paul was writing this letter to the Thessalonians from. So in Corinth, the church was completely the opposite. They were a mess, a little bit of a disaster, not falling after the Lord, needed a ton, a ton of correction. And we see that this, the other side of it, was devastating to Paul. I was uh, reading from uh, one of my commentators that I was reading through. Um, not only did he mention, like, if you just read the book of 1 Corinthians, that first letter that he wrote to them, you can just hear his heart. But this commentator said two things. He said that this situation with the church in Corinth called, caused Paul to be depressed. And he connects this situation in Corinth with Paul not wanting to preach in the city of Troas that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Interesting thoughts, just the impact that the spiritual health of a sheep can have on the shepherd for better or for worse. So this past school year, I have been meeting weekly with a student. His name's Adam. He's a senior guy in our high school ministry. And it has been so encouraging. We've been going through a book by Tim Keller called Prayer. And it has been so sweet to see the Lord just moving in his heart, in his life, seeing him just like thrive in his relationship with the Lord, just pursuing him. It's been cool to see the impact that just like talking through prayer and seeing how that has impacted his prayer life. It's been genuinely, genuinely inspiring to me. Um, For those that are newer here to the church, I know there's a number of newer folks here at the church. For those that don't know, Lindsay and my story um, all that well. Uh, We lost a a sweet little baby boy back in October of 2019. We had four amazing days with with sweet little JJ, Josiah, before he went to be with Jesus. And um, obviously, as you can imagine, it it was very difficult. Um, There was definitely some wrestling with the Lord. And one of the things that kind of came out of that is, man, I had trouble just being completely vulnerable and honest. I had trouble praying uh, for a little bit after JJ passed. Um, I I, I was depending on the Lord. Like I had such sweet moments with the Lord. I knew that I needed him. So many sweet times of like crying out in worship music to him. Uh, But for whatever reason, praying, I just found like this block I found very difficult in that, in that time after. And I'll tell you what, this is not hyperbole or anything, but meeting with Adam and seeing what the Lord was doing in his heart with prayer was such a catalyst for me in my prayer life. It was so inspiring and honestly has been a turning point. As I look back, it's been meeting with Adam and seeing what the Lord's been doing in his heart and his life has been a turning point for me in just like coming back um, to a place of just like, having sweet prayer time and going to to the Lord in prayer. Um, And I think, man, that's how it works. That's how the Lord designed this life to work, for us to feed off of each other. And may I just say that, man, sitting out in wherever you're sitting, um, you have no idea what your pastors, elders, shepherds, those that are shepherding you, like that aren't necessarily affiliated or employed by the church, a lot of times you have no idea kind of what's going on in their lives and their spiritualized persecution they're dealing with, things that are just going on. And man, I'm telling you, firsthand experience, it is 
something special when somebody that you are pouring into, investing in, when you see them thriving and spiritually so healthy and seeking after the Lord and hearing stories of victory, uh, there's something that is just like that boost of adrenaline, that shot in the arm um, that shepherds just need from time to time. And I think it's sweet to see that here in Paul's life. So speaking of prayer, the third thing that we see from Paul's shepherd's heart, shepherd's heart, is a shepherd prays earnestly for the sheep. Starting back in verse 10, I actually would have cut the last section off in verse 9, but I didn't want to quit halfway through the sentence. So starting back in verse 10, it says this, we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Okay, so. Paul concludes this section, kind of this first half of the letter, right? We talked earlier in the series how it's kind of split into two. This first half of the letter has been encouragements. The second half of the letter is a little bit of instruction, which we're going to start with next week. So this prayer here is not just a literary device. It's not just like a slick transition. We're seeing Paul's like heart overflowing here onto the paper. So when Paul says that he's praying for them all the time, and he said that multiple times already in the letter, if you think back to chapter one, verse two, he says that we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And then here in verse 10, he says, we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So when Paul says that he's praying for them all the time, I believe him. So when Pastor Scott talked about this, he mentioned it a couple weeks back and said that Paul's not just walking around in this like prayer state, kind of glazed over, just like chanting or doing anything. Not like that at all. But this dude, I'm telling you, was praying a ton for these different sheep that are in these new churches that he's just been a part of starting up. He is praying for them a lot. And look what Paul prays for them. First, he prays that God would use him, that God would use Paul in the hearts of their people. And that's in verse 11, that God would use him in their growth. So even though they're doing great and, and like cool stuff is happening and they're staying strong in their faith, he, Paul understands like this is a work in progress. The job is not done. The second thing that he prays there in verse 12 is that God would do the work in their hearts, that God would do the work in their hearts, that they would increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Basically, that the church would have this overflowing, amazing love for each other, for the people in the church, and for the world around them. And so you ask, man, well, why, why would Paul spend so much time in prayer? Well, it's because that he needed the Lord to do the work. He knew that there was no way that the church just could come up with this overflowing love, especially for the world around them. Think about it. The world around them, that's the people that are persecuting them. There's no way they could have this overflowing, abounding love for those around them if it wasn't the Lord doing the work. Paul was so desperate for the Lord to show up and move in the hearts of his people. And he knew that his, like the best thing he could do was pray. That was his most effective option. 
I have absolutely seen this to be true in my shepherding and ministry uh, time without a doubt. As I think through my last eight years in the high school ministry, uh, which is crazy that it's been eight years and it's crazy that I've only got a couple more months left, there have been plenty of seasons and situations that I can look back to when I was just on my face, just desperate for the Lord to show up, desperate for the Lord to move in a situation, desperate for the Lord to move in a student's heart that just like seemed impossible. And it's crazy being able to look back now and see absolute correlation between those times when I was just so desperate for him and crying out to him over and over and regularly and some of the most amazing transformative work in my career doing shepherding and ministry. Um, I would imagine that you've probably seen this to be true as well, right? If you think through your life, some of the times that seem the bleakest and like, man, this situation is completely lost and then you're on your face are some of like the most drastic and amazing moments just seeing the Lord work. I cannot overstate the importance of a shepherd desperately crying out for, uh, for moving in the lives of their sheep. I cannot overstate the importance of a shepherd desperately crying out for the Lord to move in the lives of their sheep. So what does this look like? Uh, if I may, I'd like to meddle a little bit um, in hopes of kind of bringing all three of these things that we talked about together and giving a little bit of a practical challenge. And it's a little intense, kind of, sort of, I guess. Um, so I think that there's a prayer that shepherds can pray. Or if you, you wouldn't consider yourself in a shepherding role, just pray for yourself. But I think there's a prayer that a shepherd can pray that shows the extent to which you care about the spiritual health of those that you're shepherding. And it accounts for this reality of persecution. And so my challenge for you, even this week, um, my challenge for you is to pray a prayer that basically gets this message across, praying for those that you're shepherding, that they would love Jesus so much that they would be willing to give up anything for him, even if that meant their life. Um, again, I, I know that's, that's kind of intense. Lindsay and I have been praying that for sweet little Holly over the last six weeks. She turned six weeks on Wednesday, and uh, we've been praying that for her. And we actually prayed that prayer for JJ, that he would be willing to give his life um, for the Lord if that's um, what the Lord wanted, if that was the Lord's plan for him, that he would be willing. And uh, it was crazy. Actually, we were talking about it just a couple weeks ago. We were upstairs praying at night for Holly. I think Lindsay was praying for her. And she was praying just that Holly would be willing to give her life for the Lord, um, that she would love him that much. And I had this thought, the Lord just kind of flooded my mind um, and brought JJ to mind and the fact that we had prayed that for him uh, during our pregnancy. And the Lord just gave me just a sweet, just a sweet, sweet thing. And he just said, Josh, he did. He did. JJ did give his life for me. And I had always thought that like the Lord would use JJ's life in cool ways. Um, but it was just sweet to have that. Just like, it was so tangible of just like, he did. Like JJ's life was given for the Lord. And uh, in ways that we'll never know or even understand until we get up and get to ask the Lord someday. Um, but man, that was just like a, such a sweet Sweet thing. And it was, it's been really good, honestly, being able to pray that over Holly for the last uh, number of weeks. There's kind of this release, right? This release of acknowledging that she is his more than she's ours. 
um, which is absolutely true and an important thing for us to come to as shepherds, but also just grounding us in the reality of, of an eternal perspective, right? Like Paul talks about there in verse 13, like Jesus is coming back. This life is super temporary. Um, might as well have a perspective that's eternal. And uh, I don't want to portray that we're like these super Christians, right? Because uh, if you think about it, we, <laughs> we didn't start praying that prayer for Holly until she was actually in, in the world. Uh, so yeah, we're, man, our flesh. So um, we were by no means these super Christians by any means. Um, but it's been sweet to pray that for her. And I will say that uh, whether you like it or not, over these past few days, as I've just kind of been working through this text and, and wondering where I was going to be going with it, the Lord's been having me pray that for you. And so I've been praying that for our church. I've been praying that for, for those of you uh, that are watching, um, that, you would, that you would grow to love the Lord so, so much that you would be willing to lay down anything for him, including your life. And uh, I just thought about it this week. Man, imagine a church full of shepherds and sheep that lived like this. Imagine a church full of shepherds and sheep that loved the Lord so much with all of their hearts that they would be willing to lay down anything. Imagine the impact that we would have on the world around us. And imagine we'd have the impact that we'd have on those that even are persecuting us. Pretty wild to think about. So the question for you as I leave you today is what kind of shepherd and sheep will you be? Let's pray. Dear Father, um, Lord, uh, thank you so much for your word. Um, some kind of heavy-ish stuff, but Lord, um, as we even talked about, Jesus' baseline following, following him is being willing to lay down our lives for him because he's so worth it. Um, that's even the part that I feel like I didn't dive enough into, just how worth it Jesus is. And Lord, so we thank you for that truth. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we shepherd those um, that you've entrusted to us. Lord, I pray that we would uh, give a clear picture of how worth it you are, that we prepare um, those that we shepherd for persecution, that we would just, man, be so invested and dialed in in their spiritual lives and that we would be lifting them up to you constantly. Um, Lord, thank you that you bend down to hear us and that you care what we have to say and that you act based on how we uh, come to you. And um, Lord, we're just thankful. We love you so much. We're thankful for time in your word. Pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, Chad and worship band. We appreciate you. Thank you guys for being here. Hey, question. Did you hear the message more as a shepherd or a sheep? I don't know. Just something to think about. Maybe next time you take a listen, uh, you try and focus on the other one. I don't know. Just food for thought. Hey, just so you know, we love you. We hope you are having a wonderful, wonderful week. We hope to see you soon. Bye.